Well, welcome to Time and Materials edition for November. This uh, title piece is called The Network. It starts with a quote by John Donne. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. As well as if a promontory were, as well as any manner of thy friend or of thine own were, any man's death diminishes me, because I am involved in mankind, and therefore never sin to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Viceroys salute and value their network. When you lose a good man, as John Donne, the English poet pastor, mentions, to the heavenly country or by some great distance over a sea, your life feels poorer, and the loss pinches. And you should feel that loss. It means that guy was worth having around in the first place. He was a contributor. He brought something to every interaction or barbecue he attended. The truth is that many men, too many men, run about as renegades and defy the intricate entanglements of deep connection with other gentlemen. Why is that? I suspect men shirk deep friendships with other men for several reasons. It's uncomfortable. Camaraderie is a learned skill. You can't look at friendship among men dead straight on. It happens naturally or it doesn't happen at all. It happens when you're staring into a campfire or talking about why the 1984 F-150 straight sex engine is the bulletproof one you really want to get your hands on. You have to have an externalized thing over there that you both appreciate and can talk about. C.S. Lewis characterized friendship as having to be about something, even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes and white mice. That's from Lewis' The Four Loves. Friendships <clears throat> worth anything require significant BS time, hang time, hours logged. It can't happen. It, it can happen driving a rig across the country over hundreds of rounds of golf, or because your kids have played ball together for a decade. Whatever the circumstances, familiarity and consistent interactions are key ingredients, and that is costly to men who have so much on their plate. There's no way around it. You have to make time and extend friendly invites to enjoy the rewards of friendship. If you don't make time for it, you can't expect it to happen. Your personalities have to be compatible. I don't mean you have to be the same way or demonstrate the same temperament, but you do have to actually enjoy being around that other guy. If Sean annoys you, then he won't be in your inner circle. There's just no way around that. There's no way that Sean is welcome in your foxhole. It doesn't matter how much your wife and his wife get on or how many years you've been in the same work division. Sean is a dude you tolerate and are polite to, but that's it. That is perfectly okay. You don't have to be pals with every guy that interacts your storyline. Some people are meant to stay on your periphery. Identifying them can be very helpful. But let's say a dude named Brian actually is a guy that gets an invite to the next fishing trip or earns a ticket the next time the Boston Red Sox are in town. How do you loop him into your fold? First, you for dang sure don't talk about friendship or how much you appreciate the other guy. It doesn't work that way. That would be super weird. Those things are simply understood without the voicing. It happens over time because you earn respect from other men. You say things just the way they are. You're a straight shooter. You're there on the day when the other guy, when his life falls apart or his truck doesn't start in a blizzard. Honor is acquired week by week, year by year. Men want to hang out with other men they respect. There's no mystery in that. 
When you link up enough of these kinds of friendships with men who are high character, competent, worthy of honor, smart, tell a decent joke, when that happens, you get lashed into something almost too mystical to write about. If these kinds of friendships are good, strong, plentiful, and double-knotted together in the faith of our fathers, well, now you're talking about something formidable. These are the bonds of the Christian community. Men who run households join up with other men who run households and knowingly stand together when opposition forces gather on the northern ridge, circling wagons, so to speak. And this is rare, and it holds dynamite power. What kinds of power, you might ask? Well, the marketers of our day, the most obvious repositories of divine wisdom, <clears throat> Talk about tribes, or networks, or affinity audiences. These kinds of groupings influence one another, and influencing a key few players can make a big social and market change. Fair enough. One guy in your tribe gets a cool dirt bike, and before long, all the blokes are tearing around the pastures on Hondas. Makes sense. But I prefer to use the word network, because it's the easiest concept to point to. Not everyone can relate to Amish communities, for example. We can use the word tribe, but we're a long time removed from Sioux raiding parties. Network will suffice so long as we know we aren't talking about LinkedIn contacts. No, we're describing guys who know what powers your engine into through the dark night, what your life is about, what motivates you. You know enough about Tom, for example, that when someone badmouths him, you're compelled to speak up and say, that's not so, that's not true of Tom. I can tell you two stories about him that will erase that thought from your mind. You know how Tom treats his wife and his kids. You know that if Tom shakes hands on a deal, then that deal is done. If he says he's going to meet you in Detroit in March, he will be at that arrival gate. You can pass Tom's phone number to a business associate in full confidence that you'll be thanked for making that connection. Proud to know Tom. That's what I mean by network, your sphere of influence. Who can you marshal quickly to go accomplish a task? Who do you want in a team you've got to assemble for a specific financial investment? Who can you assign to take care of a problem? Who can, you, who can be there to borrow their truck? I posit that these kinds of strategic networks are more important right now than they've ever been before, and you should be building, fortifying your network right now. We are going to need one another in the years to come, unlike we've relied upon each other in the past. Small groups of values-aligned patriarchs who can bring assistance in a crisis, well, that's worth quite a bit. That kind of network doesn't happen overnight, amigo. It takes some diligent building. See, the power brokers in D.C. can make magisterial rulings, and they can make life hard on all of us, no doubt about that. But men who are well-networked, like guys in Viceroy, for example, can endure much more than we could endure as particleized men, as individuals with only our own abilities and resources to muster in the critical moment. Local networks of churchmen can band together and do things that have to be done, whatever that might be in the future. If lawlessness breaks out in our streets or food supply chains shatter break, who are the men you're strategically allied with? How many guys can you contact inside 30 minutes when all the poo hits all the industrial fans all at once? And don't think it might not do just that. Or think about a longer timeline. Who will your kids know when they need a spouse? Who are your kids going to know 10 years from now? They may need business employment opportunities if they don't fit the right hiring profiles, despite certifications and dogged work ethic. Hard to imagine a hostile HR department, isn't it? Sheesh. You may need to reach a guy you know for an internship possibility or access his faith community on the day you re relocate your family. 
We probably don't put enough emphasis on cultivating these key alliances, but we can start right now. It's true that no man is an island, and the moment men start acting like islands, you can be certain that disaster is standing just outside their door. Every renegade guy I've ever known has been eaten by wolves somewhere out in the wilderness on some cold, dark night. You're kidding yourself if you think that you're the exception. Your own lust will drag you off into that grassland. Your marriage won't stand the strain. You'll get weird without the trusted hand of a brother who grabs you by the arm and tells you to knock it off and take a seat. We need one another. Proverbs 27.5 Better an open rebuke than love that is concealed. The wounds of a friend are faithful, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So get yourself into thick community right away if you don't already have it. I'm telling you the truth. Push past the awkward. Wind up your little introverted heart and push into the small talk until the small talk gives way to the deeper, the better talk. Find men who are worth something. We remember Count Rostock's words from a gentleman in Moscow. It is the business of gentlemen to distinguish between men of rank. So go find high-caliber men, have a beer, pray, discuss something you read, find out how they think. Go find, mine, go find men who will demonstrate the culture of the king to your sons so they see it working somewhere else too. They don't only have a really strange father, as an example. They see other men, men who live orderly, fruitful, joy-filled joy lives. They need other examples to look at and match up to, to see what they see in you. Your robust network is exceedingly valuable. If you know other guys who need it, invite them over for a beer or get them hooked up here in Viceroy. Actually, just do both.